What's up, my isolated homies? Welcome back to the Declaration Podcast. My name is Ty Declare, and hey, thanks for tuning in. I appreciate it. Yeah, so we're in some strange times right now, so hopefully this will bring a little bit of routine to your life. Welcome in. First and foremost, Patreon. I'd like to thank the squad. Liam Nolan at Liam Nolan, Matt Nafe at Matt Nafe, Boyan Antonoff at Boyan B. Antonoff. Thank you so much. Over in the Angels, we got Chris Pierce at Chris Pierce 103. Really interesting thing that's happening right now. If you look around the world, it seems like humans being inside is actually helping the environment. What? Huh? You're saying taking cars off the roads all this stuff is actually helping what i mean (laughs) it might be uh uh, not the ideal circumstances to get these kind of side effects but i think it you know it at least shows that we do impact the environment in some way so do your part from your day to day take care of the environment however that comes would also like to thank Mason Tim at the Bearded Baron 95. The boy's looking slim thick up in here, doing push-ups for the gram, folding laundry. Hmm. It's like that J. Cole song, folding clothes. It's Mason's life. I wanna fold clothes for you. Huh? I wanna make you feel good. If you want to support the show, head on over to patreon.com slash the declaration online. We'd love to have you over there. Love to have the support. For the mental health check this week, once again, just a strange, strange week. Um, Learning to work from home and all of the challenges and opportunities, I think is the right word, that come with that. Um... You know, just realizing how important friendship is and how important human contact is. And it's something as simple as getting outside to get some fresh air and some sunlight. Like, for the first couple days that I was working from home, I didn't go outside. And typically every day, I walk to work and I walk back from work. And man, it affected me. Like, after those first couple days, I was out of my routine. I wasn't getting dressed in the morning, you know, wearing sweats and and just like getting up from bed, going and working. Uh, like this week, I am making a point of it to go outside, go for a walk, get dressed. Just because I'm working from home now doesn't mean my routine has to go all the way out the window. And it's kind of like a microcosm of what happens on the weekends sometimes, right? Where, you know, Monday to Friday, taking care of yourself, doing what you have to do. Weekend comes around. <laughs> Work? Yeah, right. Clean? <laughs> yeah, sure. Dressed? <laughs> not not likely, unless I have to get out of the house. Routine is everything. And I feel the change in routine when I don't have it. And I'm sure I'm not, the, I'm not alone in that, uh, especially given this week with just everyone learning and adapting of, you know, how to live inside. And again, just strange, strange times that we're living in. Um, so yeah, this week... My goal is to go for a walk every single day to do my push-ups every single day and to get dressed every single day. The 
interesting thing about the time right now, like I did go for a walk uh, this morning and, you know, walking around, just looking at, looking at the trees, looking at the grass, looking at, you know, all the birds in the sky and all little chirp, 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 chirp. It's because it, it is springtime, right? And, and springtime is, you know, the year or the time of the year of, you know, having new growth, new opportunities, uh, new life. And right now it doesn't really feel like spring if we're cooped up inside and, you know, they have this doomsday thinking about what's going on. But really, this is a new opportunity, an opportunity to realize what was working for you before, an opportunity to realize what's missing now, what fell off. And, you know, sorry, if you can hear that, that is Bria's curling broom. And it does this every single day. And I don't know how to stop it. Bria does not know how to stop it. If you're a curler and know how to stop that timing alarm from going off every single day, I would love to have an update. Thankfully, it hasn't gone off when I'm working. But of course, it goes off when I'm recording a podcast. So, one second. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it, Broom. (laughs) Anywho, new opportunities, new growth. Looking outside, I meant just seeing, like seeing, seeing like moss grow on trees, seeing like the world opening back up to get in all the sunlight that I can get. It just reminded me so much of how this is the opportunity that we have to find new life, find a new way of being, adapting to our circumstances. Right? The, the crazy thing about human beings is we will thrive wherever we're put if we put our mind to it right? Lock people in a jail cell. They're they're still going to find a way to do push-ups. They're still going to find a way to persevere. It's not ideal. It's not great, but we will survive. And this is a very, I don't know. I don't know how long this is going to last. I don't know how long we're going to be in isolation. What I do know is we can put some roots down and find a new routine and find ways to get our old routine back. For myself, that means a lot more connection with others. I've had more video chats and I've played more video games than I have in a long time. But man, those video chats, connecting with friends, like speaking with people, it's everything. And like having Bria around is amazing as well. And, you know, with her work in the hospital, there's a chance that she might have to isolate herself from myself. And I'm not looking forward to that at all. So, you know, make a point of it this week to reach out to someone, speak with people, video chat, play a game, do something, interact. Hey, I'm team introvert. I'm team loner. But especially in these times, we got to reach out. We got to branch out. We got to stay connected. And if you don't hear from someone for a while, reach out to them, you know, check in on them. Let them know how you're doing. Let just ask them some questions. We got to take care of ourselves in this time. And remember, we're not meant to do this life thing alone. So, yeah, let's let's embrace that community feeling this week. On the podcast this week, we have Kristen Leeper, an old classmate of mine from U Ottawa. Shout out to Gigi's. She is a holistic nutritionist. You can find her over on Instagram at Kristen Talks Hormones. That's a K-R-I-S-T-I-N, 
You can find all her links and such in the show description. But boy, oh boy, what an episode. We talk about nutrition. We talk about fats. We talk about adrenal fatigue. We talk about disordered eating. We talk about self-care and so much more. Without any further ado, let's get to it. Like, share, subscribe, all that good stuff. Smash that MF like button. Uh, yeah, just I, I appreciate everyone who listens. I hope uh, this week finds you in an isolated state, but in a peaceful state. Just because things aren't normal doesn't mean that we can't find a new normal. So I uh, I encourage just to you know look at this as an opportunity rather than a sentence. And uh, yeah, hey, if you need if you need someone to talk to, reach out. I'm here. You got email. You got whatever. Uh, look in the like. Instagram at TyDeclare44. Reach out. I'm here to talk to you if you need to. Uh, but other than that, have a great one. Hope you enjoy. Please welcome Kristen Leeper. Kristen, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm not doing too bad at all. Uh, it's been an absolute minute since uh, you know we've actually we were talking over messenger for a bit, trying to set this up. But it's been a while since we've actually had a chance to chat. So, how's it going? It's going well. Yeah, I know we were chatting a little bit um, about like pets and things like that because you were talking yeah. about getting a dog. Yeah, no, it's been good. <laughs> Um, cause we were in university together. So, um, after that I ended up going to school for nutrition and mm. loved it. Yeah. And I just finished that and then, yeah, moved up to Pembroke. Oh, right on. Yeah. I, uh, I always said if I was ever going to go back to school, it would be to go back for nutrition. So oh, you're, right. you're, I feel like I'm living vicariously through you right now. That's awesome. <laughs> if you ever want to, you should, I really, really loved it. Yeah. Like what was that experience like? Um, it was really cool. So, um, there are a lot of ways that you can actually go to school for nutrition. Like there isn't sort of one program that you need to do. Um, so I ended up at, it's called the Institute of Holistic Nutrition. It's in Ottawa and they have two campuses in the Toronto area as well. And then one over in Vancouver. Um, and it was Mm -hmm. awesome. It's a private college. So my classes were pretty small. I think my smallest one was actually five people. Um, And it's a very intensive program. You know, I did 19 courses, three field trips and 100 hours of co-op, but it was really cool. Huh. That's awesome. I I love the small classroom feel, the, you know, the intensive part. That's like when I did my diploma for counseling, I had that same feel of like the intense, short but sweet, small classroom, like you get what you need and you don't need to like spend a lot of time with any like fluff, let's say, right? And just Mm -hmm. you get what you need and then it's, yeah. So that's, that's awesome. And I guess that makes sense, you know, given now that you're doing the whole, uh, holistic, holistic nutrition train, um, like, and for those, uh, listening right now, it's, uh, it's a, uh, wait, Kristen talks hormones on, on Instagram. If you want to go check out her Instagram. So yeah, I guess, how did you get into, I guess the nutrition other than going to school for it? Like what kind of led you to going down that path? Um, so my summer job in university, um, was actually working at a health food store. Um, I, I wasn't sort of, I didn't love health food or anything going into it. I just needed a summer job and they hired me. I was like, great. (laughs) Um, but I ended up 
um, just getting more and more interested in it. And then, um, yeah, I, I'd actually initially wanted to go do more schooling, kind of like what you did for psychology. And then the more that I'd been working there, the more, you know, somebody would come in and they were having issues like with sleep, for example, because they were anxious. And even though I think like cognitive behavioral therapy, you know, and all of those like psychological interventions are so important. My first instinct was like, oh, you know, maybe I can recommend like, you know, we talk about like melatonin or, mm-hmm. you know, maybe I need to balance their blood sugar before they go to bed. Or that was sort of the direction that I was going in. Um, and then on a sort of from a personal perspective, I had some pretty serious um, health and mental health issues that I was dealing with right around the end of university. And I actually ended up going to see a naturopath, which is sort of like a more holistic doctor. Um, and it like totally turned everything around for me. So that really kind of cemented it, I think. Mm. Yeah, I think there's a big like blind spot when it comes to talking about nutrition and food and just how that all connects, like you're saying, to mental health and general health, and just yeah. there, there's a there's a big blind spot I find, and um, like when I didn't really know or hormones really didn't come onto my radar until I started like researching sleep some more. So, oh, cool. can you just talk a little bit about the relationship between hormones and food? Yes. Um, so there's definitely a lot of ways that it all ties in together. Um, so one of the ways is that um, we actually make certain hormones from fats, like they're called our steroid hormones, and we actually make them from fat. So that includes the hormones that most people are familiar with, like estrogen and testosterone. Um, So we actually need to be, for one, um, eating enough fat, which is an interesting Mm -hmm. issue because of the push for like lower fat diets. Sometimes you run into issues there and also eating hopefully the right kind of fat. Um, So that's one way. And then we also can have um, hormone intake from food. So whether that's like from certain animal products, if there have been things that have happened, you know, um, whether the animals have been given some, you know, like for growth hormone and and things like that, um, you can actually end up ingesting hormones that way. Um, Mm -hmm. And then we also need also certain hormones are affected not just by what we eat, but also by our lifestyle. Um, So if you look at insulin as a hormone, Um, that we need for regulating blood sugar. Um, So if, you know, our intake of sugar is all over the place, that can throw that out of whack. You know, you can start getting into prediabetes and things like that. And then if you put stress on the body, which can actually come from uh, diet as well. So like a high sugar uh, inflammatory diet, things like that, along with just being stressed, that can throw uh, things like the adrenal hormones out of whack, which are responsible for the stress response. So yeah, there's mm-hmm. so just tons of different ways, but hopefully that gives you a bit of an overview. No, absolutely. And I've always kind of said like the a better way to think of fats would be to, you know, call it energy because, you know, people are like, oh, I eat fat, I'm going to get fat. It's almost mm-hmm. the opposite, right? And, um, you know, I've done like, you know, ketogenic diets, but like I've always since getting into that, I've tried to really increase the fats uh, that I do intake mm-hmm. because like, it, like you say, it's everything for hormones. And Absolutely. like the the general like high carb low fat diet, it's just it like you said it wreaks havoc on our systems, especially mm-hmm. when it comes to stress responses, things of that nature. Um, you mentioned the adrenals. Can you just talk yeah. a little bit more about about the adrenals? Yeah, absolutely. Um, And actually, uh, one of the health issues that I was dealing with at the end of university was actually um, like basically 
exhausted adrenals, you know, like that mm-hmm. sort of burnout mm-hmm. feeling that you're getting into that we talk about. It's a, yeah, it's adrenal exhaustion. It's kind of how we word it. So basically our adrenal glands are responsible for our short-term stress response. So that's like those first like 30 seconds, like you hear a noise and you jump, you know, where you have to start running from something and it helps you take off. Um, but they're also responsible for our long-term stress response. So whenever you hear talk about cortisol, that's the adrenals and that's that long-term prolonged periods of stress. So um, it can it can have to do with things like grief because grief is a more long-term stress. And there are ways that, you know, I'm going to say quote unquote natural long-term stresses, but then in modern life, we've introduced a lot of additional stresses as well. And so um, it, it's becoming... Um, more of a problem, this adrenal burnout, let's say, or adrenal exhaustion and this chronic stress, because um, they're just basically constantly being asked to pump out cortisol, you know, which is our mm-hmm. stress hormone to help us deal with this. And cortisol is great for helping to sort of decrease the effects of stress, but long-term it's going to have some consequences. And then also eventually the adrenals just can't keep making this much cortisol. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And like, like there's obviously a bunch of things that go into your cortisol response and your cortisol levels, all that kind of stuff. But I think that's the thing. Like food is almost something we overlook as how powerful it can be in these situations. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so one of the things that I, I talk about a lot actually is uh, blood sugar balance um, because our sort of standard way that we're taught to eat is really high in sugar. Um, mm-hmm. And that can sort of push things out of whack. But one of the things that um, blood sugar imbalances actually stresses or the adrenals. So that was probably one of the sort of causative factors that I had is growing up as a kid, I had like processed everything um, and a lot of added sugars and long-term mm-hmm. that's a lot for your body to deal with. Yeah. And not every, every body is different and every person needs something, you know, maybe specialized to themselves, but for yourself, what were some of the changes that you made in your life that you found were the most positive? Um, yeah, so I'll talk about this one first, just because we were just talking about it. The so the blood yeah. sugar. Um, so yeah, first of it, first it was just kind of learning, um, like how much sugar was in different things, you know, and and kind of going from there. Like one of the examples I like to use is like I would pour like a full glass of orange juice, you know, like right to the brim, uh, which is fine yeah. for some people. But like for me, I need to do like a third of a glass, you know. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> So yeah, even things like that, or even just, well, what are you pairing all of that with, you know? And it can mm-hmm. be as simple as if you like drinking Coke, maybe switching to like Diet Coke or Coke Zero, just because of the amount of sugar, like it can be sort of um, like simpler things. But so that was one. Um, and this isn't to hate on veganism, because some people genuinely do feel great. And there are some benefits for some people. Um, but I was vegan at the time, and I had to stop. Um, so just like you talked about, there's there isn't like a one size fits all approach and we do have to tailor things to individual needs. And I happen to be one of those people who just feels a lot better um, eating more of like an animal protein based diet. So -hmm. that was one of the things. Um, Yeah. And, and that really did. um, I found it also helped my adrenals as well. Like I was just digesting my food better for one thing. Like I just find with animal protein, I digest it better. So it's less stress on your digestive system and it's not as inflammatory. And then the nice thing too about eating animal protein is you're getting lots of protein and sometimes you're getting fat and both of those things can help 
um, you balance blood sugar. And then I did also introduce, um, I tried to introduce some more like of those beneficial fats. Um, so like your omega-3s. So, you know, if you're thinking like avocados and hemp seeds and chia seeds and, and fish oil, like things like that. Um, so those were sort of the dietary things. And then um, lifestyle wise, I actually stopped drinking coffee eventually because uh, I found it was making me anxious um, and just tried to focus a little bit more on on sleep. And um, at times I was also over exercising, which actually also put stress on the body. Mm. Oh, yeah. Good on you for giving up coffee. That's, uh, that's something I'm not giving up anytime soon, but I, uh, I can definitely, I can definitely feel when I'm like riding that stress wave and I'm like, I feel the anxiety closing in. I'm like, okay, this is enough coffee. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, it's not, it's not easy to make a change, especially when it comes to how you're eating and, um, you know, switching all the way from like veganism to like introducing back animal proteins, things like that. Yeah. That's a process. What what was it's, that like? Um, yeah, it, it definitely was. And um, also this this started in, uh, let's see, I saw a naturopath in 2017. Um, and now it's 2020. So um, in case anyone was like, oh my God, I could never do that. It's taken me years and it's been an ongoing yeah. process. Yeah, um, there's definitely were like baby steps involved. You know, I didn't just go... Um, and like buy a whole bunch of steaks and chicken thighs and be like, okay, that's it. You know, um, I ate scrambled eggs was the first thing, you know, and then tried a bit of steak at a restaurant and sort of built up to it and introduced things back. Um, yeah. And I, I didn't cut out coffee until maybe last year, just cause I, mm-hmm. that's when I really started to notice for whatever reason, it was like, I'd have a cup of coffee and like, boom, heart palpitations, you know, I just wasn't feeling good. So it was definitely sort of like a a slow and steady. Um, and I, I definitely had periods where I've, I've been like more invested in it and then a little bit less, you know, like you build up all this momentum and then maybe you stay plateaued or you take a step back, but mm-hmm. you know, overall it's kind of been in the same direction, you know, if that makes sense. Oh, no, it's all a part of the journey. Right. And, um, yeah. you know, the more that you learn down the path, like, yeah, I think anything you do, you're going to have those times that are more difficult than others to go through it. But as long as you yeah. have a plan and, you know, just some sort of maybe guidance, like you're saying, from, from a nutritionist, from a friend, from this podcast. Uh-huh. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, like, I, I guess a very general question. Um, what are some foods that everyone should be eating? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I feel like first, um, just because this is something that uh, we talk about in holistic nutrition, and I like to tell people this, uh, just in case they're dealing with a practitioner who maybe isn't informed this way, but there isn't sort of like a one size fits all diet, you know, like, like mm-hmm. I said, like yeah. I felt awful eating vegan. I was probably the worst I've ever felt, but that's not to say that other people will, you know? So mm-hmm. yeah, that would be one. And then the, it's, uh, there's sort of these common food sensitivities, food allergies, but theoretically you could be allergic to anything. You know, like you could have someone who's allergic to like tomatoes or peas or like bananas, you know, so, you know, take this with a grain of salt because, you know, (laughs) you could be allergic to anything. You could be allergic to, to one of these foods, but I mean, I know this is broad, but you know, fruits and veggies, I'm definitely not a fan of the trend of like the carnivore diet because you're not getting any fruits and veggies, you know, like where are your vitamins and your minerals and all of those nutrients. Um, 
Yeah. And then kind of like we talked about, I'm definitely a big fan of um, like the omega-3 fats. You know, we definitely yeah. need yeah. those as a building block for different things, but also they help soothe inflammation, you know? Mm-hmm. So, and uh, there's so many causes of inflammation, especially of our sort of modern diet. So I, I feel like those are some big things that I would tend to gravitate towards, you know, like for most people. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, uh, omega-3 is huge. Um, mm-hmm. and, and yeah, like the, just in your saying is finding what works for you because yeah, like, unfortunately there's a large oversight in our health system where doctors are not given enough time to learn about nutrition. And if they are taught about nutrition, it's typically outdated information where it's, you know, high sugar, low fat. Mm-hmm. And there's been a lot of steps that have come along the way. And thankfully now in the, you know, the information age, there's a lot of more people out there who have more information who are able to talk about these things. So if you are interested in food and this kind of stuff, look for people out there like, like Kristen, right? Is they've done some more research. They have personal and professional experiences. And while one size may not fit all, you know, there may be something that fits yourself. So just as a quick note, if you're having trouble with any kind of food intolerances, just figuring out, navigating food in general, there is information out there. Doctors are not always the best source for this. So be broad in, in, in what you're looking for. But in the end, find what works for you because no, nothing's going to work for everyone. Yeah. And and it's, I'm a big fan as well of, of like integrative medicine. You know, like you were saying, doctors, mm-hmm. they don't receive very much training in nutrition, which makes sense to me because there's so much they have to know, you know, yeah. I don't really want to pile nutrition on top of all of that, you know? Yeah. So that's why I'm, I'm such a big fan of, of things like integrative medicine, like the naturopath who I went and saw, she does focus on diet, but naturopaths, their big thing is like testing so they can, because they're doctors, they can diagnose and then supplements as well. And then you have mm-hmm. like your nutritionist who focus on diet um, so, but it's, it's, can be good because then, you know, you're getting more of like a, the expertise, right. From each professional. Um, yeah. And it's it, because a lot of people as well are on medication, I, like in an ideal world, I could sort of be able to have like open communication with their doctor, you know, being like, Hey, I want to do this dietary intervention. You know, I want to run this by you, make sure everything's okay. You know, and then mm-hmm. like this back and forth, right. That hopefully you can have. Yeah, there's, I feel like there are, there's a ways to go to, like I said, to integrate all these things together, but at least we've taken some steps. (laughs) Absolutely. So yeah, I love the plug for nutritionists. Please come see nutritionists. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, Yeah, even if it's just for like a consultation, like it, you'll you'll get something useful out of it. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So as a bit of a palate cleanser, tell us about your animals. Oh, sure. Yeah. So we have two cats oh, who are both with me right now, actually. <laughs> one sitting on me and one next to me. Um, so this is, there's Hiccup who's sitting on me. Um, they're both cats. He's a six-year-old. Um, he's like a little white guy. He's part Siamese. And then I have a big, huge, like 20-pound orange fluffy one named Theo. <laughs> um, so, yeah. I remember Hiccup. Hiccup is a love bug. Yes, he is. Yeah, you can just like hand him to strangers, um, yeah. and he'll cuddle. <laughs> the dream, the absolute dream. Yeah, seriously. So I, uh, you know, in a quick peruse through your Instagram once again, Kristen talks mm-hmm. hormones. 
Um, you know, I did see a post, you know, a lot about guilt-free eating and especially, oh, you know, yeah. in the quarantine, the strange times we're in today, right? Is I mean, guilt-free eating has been a huge theme in my life. I, I've been pretty open on the show about, you know, I uh, like after I graduated university, I had, uh, you know, and, and still to this day, there's still episodes of like bulimia and um, like coming from, you know, overeating, using food to, to, you know, work with my emotions. And there's a lot of guilt and a lot of eating because of guilt and then feeling guilty because I ate and that just a lot of, a lot of guilt. And when I saw that on your page, I was like, wow, like, thankfully someone is like actually like talking about this message. Can you just talk a little bit about guilt-free eating and why it's important? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, also like, I think it's awesome that you're being so open about it. You know, like, I just think that the more that we can, you know, if you're at a place where you can tell your story and the more that we keep telling these stories and hear it from different people, you know, the more that we can hopefully like blow this issue open because it, it 100%. Needs to yeah. yeah. Um, so I guess mine comes both from like a personal and a professional perspective. Um, so I'll start with a professionally, um, just because like I found in my schooling and I, I loved my schooling. It was such a positive experience, but I did feel like sometimes a piece that we were missing um, was actually talking about like positive relationships with food, you know, because mm. we talk about, for example, like elimination diets, which is when you cut out most foods um, and it can be for a bunch of different reasons. Sometimes it's to pinpoint food intolerances. So there's a therapeutic benefit, you know, but I think we need to be talking about like what's happening psychologically. If now there's all of these foods that you can't eat, you know, mm -hmm. or as you're learning about the different positive and negative impacts of different foods and different things. And I didn't feel like we were talking about what's happening psychologically. If now you're like, Oh, this group of foods is bad. You know, I can't ever have this. This causes cancer. This does whatever. Like I, I felt like that was missing a little mm -hmm. bit. And so I think it's important to kind of talk about that and, and there is actually a type of eating disorder called orthorexia, which is like an obsession um, with like healthy eating to the point where like it mm -hmm. becomes disordered, like it causes distress. And so um, I really wanted to make sure that like I wasn't inadvertently causing that. Um, and then so that's the professional side. And then uh, on the personal side, I dealt with what I would say are like some serious symptoms of anorexia without being to the point where it was full-blown anorexia. But uh, that's when I was 19. You know, I got to the point where, and I'm five foot seven-ish. So I got to the point where I was like barely over a hundred pounds and I just, I looked so sick, you know, and, and I was, and um, I just, I like, I remember having that mindset and so much of that came from being taught like all of those, like, these really common attitudes that we have to food, you know, like, oh, you're eating cake. Like I'm being so bad. It's going to take like an hour and a half to work this off, you know, or, mm -hmm. you know, oh, you know, this, this, you know, I don't know, guilty pleasure because I'm eating a cupcake or, or doing whatever I didn't work out today. You know, I'm getting so fat, like all of those things that we hear all the time. And so I really want to kind of join in on the the pretty fantastic and really inspiring like group of people who are kind of like now talking about these things, you know, and especially as nutritionists, like hopefully adding my voice as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, thank you for being open and honest. I, <laughs> I totally, I totally agree with that is like it, the more that we can be just open and real about these things, the more productive conversation we're going to have. 
Mm-hmm. And like just for myself on the mental health side, I find like if I'm not open and honest, then I'm holding things back. Mm-hmm. And when I hold things back, then it's I feel like I'm isolating myself from the world. So I'm team just like let's be open and honest about everything and mm-hmm. let the call co- let the cards fall where they may. Like if someone doesn't like me because I'm honest, then I don't think they deserve my honesty. So <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um but yeah, as far as you know the like I like to think of it like categorized eating, like good food, bad food. And when it comes to like disordered eating, there's so many, there's the, the, the rigid, hard categories. And oh, like you're yeah. saying is you can get into this, like, I will only eat good food. I will only do good things or mm-hmm. thinking like, oh, I eat this many calories. I now have to output that many calories. Yeah. It's just, it's just not realistic and it's not going to bring you the results that you want. For one, there's so many more like processes going on than simply like the calories that you take in versus the amount of calories you see on like a treadmill. Like it doesn't equal out like that. Especially when we talk about like hormones, man, hormones control so many things. You could be eating quote unquote the greatest food, but if it's not, if you're not fulfilling your body with what its actual needs are, your body's going to hold on to maybe it's fat, maybe it's different things. Like there's so many different, I guess, variables that are, it, it's a very simplistic argument to put it into good and bad categories. Absolutely. And I think like having that flexibility and like, if like the way I kind of approach life now is instead of trying to remove something bad, add in something good if you want to use those kind of categories, right? Or let go of something that is bringing or bringing more stress to your life and add in something that is like relieving stress to your life, right? Mm-hmm. So like if if being so strict and rigid about food is adding stress to my life, let's get let's get rid of that. But let's just focus on adding in as many, like you're saying, fruits, vegetables, like omega-3s, like mm-hmm. these things that are actually going to improve my life. Let's just add those in and focus on that and let the rest of the cards fall where they may. And mm-hmm. taking that like foot off the gas pedal of stress and eating because it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah, no, 100%. And I I do really like your your point about, you know, if you're instead of cutting something out, let's add something in, you know, and and I think that's important as well when it comes to like when we make nutritional interventions because sometimes we we do have to ask people to cut down on things or cut them out, but that means we have to step in and give guidance, you know. If I'm saying, "Okay, cut out dairy." Well, what what are you going to replace that with? You know, so that somebody doesn't feel really discouraged and really lost and you know, and, and, and not feel like they have any options. But yeah, I agree. Absolutely. Like if, if, and I definitely don't want to have this perspective where, you know, if we become so stressed about what we're eating, you know, that it's actually, it can potentially cause more issues, you know, mm-hmm. than just trying to eat, um, like mostly balanced, you know, and, and kind of like let that stress go. I think that's so much better for us. And also like psychologically, because, you know, I think there's a lot of, things that you can miss out on eating you know if we become so stringent and you know part of life is being able right to go out for dinner and enjoy food you know or go to a friend and enjoy their cooking right without kind of micromanaging it the amount of times I went to a dinner and didn't get the dessert for thinking that oh I can't have that and I missed out on like that that community the connection you feel over eating food that someone has made and brought to like it's Oh, I, there's so much more to life than calorie count, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, and having, having those, ex, those not maybe exceptions, but just having that flexibility, 
right? And being open to that, it it's huge. Yeah. And, and like I guess to kind of take it like as a I guess a journey through my nutritional history, right? Is you know after stopping football, uh, my output of exercise went way down, but my eating habits stayed the same. So I ballooned up. And I thought, okay, well, then I'll try a ketogenic diet, which, you know, is is high fat, almost no carbs. And I had like good physical results from that. But I mean, the amount of like meticulous counting and, and, and tracking I had to do, it wasn't worth it in the end for like the output I got. It was great. But then as soon as you start adding carbs back in, all the water weight that you lose from that diet just kind of comes back instantly. And it... Like it was good for learning like what different fats are out there and, and how fats are not the enemy and how fats mm-hmm. can actually you know, add benefit. I still have butter in my coffee to this day. Like I, I still try and like, eat as many eggs as I can because I like, think eggs are some of the, like, the best food out there. Um, but then I got to – I got back into it almost where it was like for six and a half days a week, I would eat uh, like all low carb and then – for one evening per week, I ate whatever I wanted. And it was like, you know, open the floodgates, fill your boots, because mm-hmm. having one carb night, as it's called, actually like refills your muscle glycogen and like you and you can actually, you know, like uh, come back stronger and fitter. And, and it's true. Like I did, I think I lost about 40 pounds doing that. Wow. But the issue was, yeah, but the issue was what happened to me mentally was where right. it went from me being like, okay. Low carb, good, 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 good. And then one night a week, it's just bad. And <laughs> and just that mentality stuck with me after I got off that diet. So guess what? Have a bad day at work? Well, I'm just going to have a carb night. And it just led to me eating ungodly amount of food every single night. And that was where that bulimia kind of set in, right? was Try and work it off, work it off, work it off. Uh, that didn't work. Okay, fill myself with food. Fill myself with food. I need to try and feel something. And it, it just it had an unhealthy balance between like the in the the food side and the mental side. So I think like the psychology side and like your background with psychology as well, I think is huge. Where you understand the relationship between food and what it does for you mentally. And I, I think that that's that's the conversation that maybe is not being told enough. I totally agree. And I'm really glad that you brought that up, actually, like, um, as much as I mean, it sounds like a horrible experience, you know, and I'm I'm really glad that, like, you've been able to kind of pinpoint what about it was like it causing issues for you, you know, and to be able to work through it. But I, I do think it's a really important conversation that we need to keep having. And well, first of all, start having because like you said, I don't think it's being had enough, but then to keep having is the potential impact of restrictive diets on people's mentalities because keto is absolutely restrictive and it's been sort of trending right lately it's becoming a lot more popular but it's very restrictive and um as well like veganism it's sort of interesting that you have like keto on one side and then veganism on the other is also becoming really popular um but that's also quite restrictive and i think you know like i said i wouldn't recommend like a one size fits all diet ever, but I especially wouldn't recommend a restrictive diet to everybody because again, like not just because of everything that you're losing sort of from the physical aspect, right? Like different things that have different nutritional value that you're now cutting out. Um, But also, you know, psychologically, like what is that doing if you stay on it or if you don't, right? 
Yeah. You know, if all of a sudden you can introduce all of these foods back in and just the potential for creating disordered eating. Yeah, I don't think that's a conversation that we really are having enough. And yeah, it needs to be had because I don't think I well, actually I know that you're not the only person who's been in the situation you've been in, you know. Mm-hmm. No, 100 percent. Yeah, it, it does feel like there's a lot more conversations to be had about that. And, you know, I, I am glad to hear some people are having these conversations and yeah. uh I mean, like, like these days, like I've found a lot of success with like intermittent fasting. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's gone to a point where like, I don't really track what I eat anymore. I just kind of like mm-hmm. eat in windows. And like, that was a really nice transition from the eat everything to eat nothing kind of like mentality before to now just doing it more for health. And, mm-hmm. and like just trying to add in when I am in my eating window to add in as much like quote unquote good food as possible. Yeah. And which is like really focus on the health side of it. Now, yeah. one uh, one thing you did mention before was you know the like the uh, was it the growth hormones like if you ate a certain like beef and then you, you know, it, how the animal was raised can like affect how the food is like, in, internalized in yourself. What a, like another conversation that might not be happening enough is like how important is the source of the food that you're getting? Yeah. Yeah. And this is, I think this is a really important conversation. Um, but I also think it's like a trickier conversation, um, Mm. you might think, but so I'm so glad you brought it up because on the one hand, I source is important for sure. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm definitely not an expert on this side of things, but we definitely did touch on, you know, okay. Factory farming industry versus like traditional, like small farms, organic farms, um, with respect to animal products, definitely. Um, but also with respect to like fruits and veggies, you know, cause it's, it's different, right. The t- kinds of like pesticides that are used, but also the kinds of soil and the different things that you might get out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we definitely talked about it from like the production side. And then some of my teachers would talk about it from, um, their side as well. And I remember, and this actually was about hormones, Uh, One naturopath who was teaching us was saying that there was a a girl who had hit, it's called precocious puberty, which is just a fancy way of saying early puberty, like sort of before she was chronologically supposed to. Um, Mm -hmm. And there were different things involved. Um, She was actually obese. And so um, like a higher body weight, it basically means higher estrogen than you you would sort of typically have. So that was probably a factor. Um, and one of the things that was correlated with that was actually like the meat that she was having and the dairy that she was having, just like where it was sourced from, um, mm-hmm. just because of like the hormonal component. Um, so that's that side, like definitely from the health side, we want to try and be getting, you know, like the, like, like we probably hear about like the local sources and like organic sources if we can, but my follow-up and why that makes this tricky is that that's expensive. And that's not necessarily accessible, right, to um, to a lot of people. And so that's where it becomes tricky because I definitely want to be mindful, you know, when I'm when I'm meeting with clients about where they're at financially. Right. And yeah. yeah and, and how do you sort of marry those two things together? And I don't if necessarily someone... for that. Yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. If someone is on a, like a tight budget. And I, I know, like again, everyone is different, and like every every answer like requires like like a very personalized approach. But if if like you could tell someone like, okay, I know like you're on a budget, but this this one thing would be a good thing to try and add in. 
maybe if we're talking like uh, grass-fed beef versus you know factory farm beef, or like in, in that kind of conversation, like it would there be one place that you would typically tell most people to try and spend their money if they can? Um, I, I do feel like I'm glad you touched on that. I'm sorry. It's so true, though. All of my answers. I'm like, well, it depends on the person. Yeah, no, it's, um, yeah. <laughs> but um, I, I do feel like one thing that I usually gravitate towards would be like those omega-3 fats, you know, figuring yeah. out a way to get those. And even if it's like buying a bag of like avocados, you know, or even buying frozen avocado or, you know, if you can get like a reasonable price for fish oil or things like that. Like I do feel like that would be one of the first things that I would probably gravitate towards. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I feel like the first thing I would probably say is chicken, you know, because it's often something a lot of people are eating. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. That might be another one as well, if you can, but yeah, like I said, it, you know, that the financial piece of it is definitely tricky. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Can you just touch quickly on what are the benefits of omega-3? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, we have our, like our steroid hormones, so like estrogen um, and progesterone and testosterone, which are made from like fats. They're your steroid hormones. They're made from fats. You're actually providing like the building blocks. Um, And so for women, especially, you can sometimes run into an issue where they're not having making enough progesterone relative to estrogen. Um, and one of the ways that that can manifest is in PMS. Um, but it also, cause I do some work in like, I do focus on fertility as well. Um, the, we actually need to be making progesterone for the first three months of pregnancy until the placenta takes over. So it can be helpful in sort of promoting like healthy pregnancy. Um, so that's one sort of uh, for the, like the hormone piece of it, but then also um, omega-3s are anti-inflammatory. So if you've got somebody with inflammation and that can show up in a lot of different ways, but one of them is actually like chronic pain. So if you've Mm -hmm. got somebody with like joint pain, for example, um, or if they've got a lot of digestive issues, you can actually start like soothing the inflammation in the digestive tract. Um, And then with mental health and inflammation, um, one of the potential contributing factors to depression is neuroinflammation. So inflammation in the brain. Um, so fish oils are sometimes recommended for that as well. Um, and then we also for, I mean, this goes for any fat, but omega-3s are, you know, the fats that we want for the other benefits. They're good for balancing blood sugar. If you have like usually the three pillars for blood sugar are protein, fat, and fiber. So if you've got some of that omega-3 fat in a meal, it helps make sure that your blood sugar rises slowly and gradually instead of sort of like spiking and then bottoming out. Um, And then also our cell membranes are actually made from fat. So that's one of the reasons that we want to make sure um, that we're taking in some of these like beneficial fats, like omega-3s, because it helps make sure that those are made out of what we want them to be made out of. And that helps make sure that they're doing their job properly of letting in the things that they're supposed to, and then not letting in the things um, that they're not supposed to. I know the word for it is like cell membrane integrity, but that's just a fancy way of making sure like it's a bouncer basically. Right. And it's letting people into the club that you in and then keeping the other people out. Yeah. Well, thank you for that very detailed uh, response there. I, I think, uh, no, I, I, I think omega three is one of those words that gets thrown around. It's like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Fish oil. Okay. Okay. Whatever. But actually knowing what it does, I think it is huge. Right. Is yeah. So many processes in our body require these fats. And oh, yeah. I also, I also like if you said there, like the, the, was it protein, 
fiber and fat. Yes. And I think fiber as well is a huge thing that's not really talked about when it comes to the blood sugar regulation. Because yeah. if you if you drink like you're saying, I drink a glass of orange juice, whether it's one third of the cup or all the way to the brim, <laughs> I'm a I'm, I'm a brim guy as well. But oh, yeah. uh, if if you, versus that versus maybe like actually eating, well, maybe orange is not the best. So like I say, an apple, like I say, a glass full of apple juice or eating an apple. When you eat the apple, you actually get a lot more fiber from that, and like that fiber can help to kind of slow down those processes a bit, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> good i i check mark for ty got it yes uh yeah so just, i i think like nutrition is one of those things at least for myself is just the more thought that you put into it the more benefit you get from it and it can seem very overwhelming at first trying to take in all this new information and trying to make the quote-unquote best choice um you know you don't really get the best results unless you make a couple mistakes along the way so embrace the process just learn what we're Ugh, learn what works for you. And um, like I, I get like, yeah, my journey through health has definitely been a trying one. But through those, you know, uh, through those experiences, I've learned a lot more about myself. And I think I've, I've found a nice healthy balance at this point. Is there room to grow? Absolutely. Will I be changing a little bit of my eating after this conversation? Quite possibly. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we'll, uh, it, it's a journey. And I think the more we can embrace that kind of journey of life, the more we get out of it. Yeah. And that's awesome. And I, I would definitely agree with you. Like it's, sometimes it can be frustrating. Uh, it's definitely been frustrating for me where you try something and you expect it's going to work. And I don't know, you have a stomach ache from it or you feel terrible, you know, somehow it made you feel worse. Like that can happen, which is, you know, it can be really frustrating, but like you said, it, it is absolutely a learning experience. You know, it wasn't fun mm -hmm. figuring out that coffee, like that level of caffeine gives me heart palpitations, but I'm also very glad to have figured it out, you know, mm -hmm. and once I figured that out, right. It's like you said, you can take a step towards, um, towards feeling better. And I think that it's a good way to see it as well as to like, see it as a process, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it takes, it's going to take time and, you know, you, like you said, like going one step at a time, right? Like making those changes and, and seeing where you're at. And then if there's room to grow, maybe you grow now, maybe you grow later, right? But you're still, you're still moving forward. Absolutely. And I mean, speaking of moving forward, I know uh, you're a big proponent of, of self-care and how, mm -hmm. you know, self-care helps us to, you know, put our best foot forward and, and continue to move forward in our lives. What mm -hmm. do you do for self-care? Um, so one of those things for me, um, because I had like those, like the issues with my adrenal glands, right. Where I was feeling like, uh, like burnt out and really tired is, um, making sure that I take time to actually like slow down and stop, which, you know, if you're a type A personality, it's really hard to do. <laughs> you're like productive always. Um, yeah. but yeah, just, like trying to make sure that you actually like give yourself like days off and things like that. I, I do think it's important. Um, for me, and I know we were talking about pets a little bit, but for me, yeah, like hanging out with the pets is, is actually really helpful. I remember like looking at a study that said like, yeah, I think it was being around your pet actually like lowers your blood pressure. Um, and I would agree with, you know, like just being able to cuddle your, your pet. Right. Um, and I was actually like looking through some old notes yesterday and, um, apparently like cuddling releases oxytocin. And oxytocin is like the opposite to cortisol. So like the opposite of your stress hormone. 
Yeah. You know, so like cuddle a pet, cuddle your partner, cuddle somebody. There's actually like um, physical and psychological benefits to that. Um, and then I guess the last piece of, of self-care for me is I'm a pretty creative person. Um, so I, I really love creative writing. And I, I've, I've actually started like trying to schedule time for that because I find that like when I am creative, when I give myself time to kind of like output creative energy, I actually feel like refreshed and energized. Like, I guess mm. just getting my brain, my brain working a different way or, yeah, mm. I'm not sure, but tapping into that energy actually really helps. Yeah. I've never really thought of the podcast as much in the self-care sense, but like when you say that, typically after a show, I do feel lighter, you know, I, I feel like I'm a little more, I guess, like maybe like locked in is the right word. Like, like everything just kind of yeah. seems to start flowing a little more, like the creative side comes out and like you're saying, new new brand processes, things like that. Um, when you say like, you know, like learn to have a day off, what do you do for a day off? <laughs> uh, so I feel like full disclosure, I feel like I'm still learning how to do that, but um, aren't we all? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I feel like um, part of that. Um, yeah. is just hopefully like being able to just like take a step back and, and just say, Hey, like, you know, you know what, this isn't, this isn't really happening for me today. Like I just need to, you know, like turn everything mm. off or yeah. Like I was doing a bit of work or I was planning on doing work earlier this week and we'd gone out grocery shopping to kind of stock up and there were people everywhere, you know, and I was just mm. very stressed and just kind of said, okay, you know, like turning off for the day. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, like even giving yourself that like mental permission, right. Of being like, of just like that, of being able to kind of like let go um, mm. but yeah, and I'm, I'm trying to, to like, um, make more time for things like yoga, you know, where like, you're still doing something, but it, it is genuinely like for you. And, and it's like, you've scheduled relaxation, which I find is yeah. actually, it's helpful because then you've blocked it in and you know that yeah. it's there and it, you're not going to be able to kind of like put it off. Yeah. Scheduled relaxation slash active meditation, whatever label you want to put on it, like actually yeah. having a plan for days off, I think is very helpful. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so, Kristen, everyone that comes in the show, I ask them the same question. Typically, I say mm -hmm. this question because, uh, you know, we get off topic, but this is a, then a very on topic show. So it might be repeating some of the same, but what is one tip you have for a satisfying and healthy life? So, mine would be. Um, to remember that baby steps are important and that taking baby steps is okay. Mm, um, yeah. Because we, that's how we all learn to walk. Like we learn to walk from there. So clearly, you know, it worked, but you know, we kind of talked about my health journey and I, I summed it all up and um, but you know, that took me, that took me years and it, it's still ongoing. And um, I'm, I think like one of the, least helpful things you can do as a nutritionist is to give somebody like a giant list of recommendations, you know, mm -hmm. and say like, don't eat these like 50 foods. Um, even though it might have like a therapeutic benefit, you know, your client isn't going to want to do that, which I don't blame them for, you know, like even just saying, okay, I want you to make like one dietary change this week and tell me how you feel, you know, and, and kind mm -hmm. of having that approach to it. You know, I still think you can have some pretty profound results, but then it's, you know, you, you've set reasonable goals for yourself, right? And I think that that mm -hmm. sets you up for success a lot more. 
I absolutely agree with that. I mean, the, the smaller the scope, the easier it is to change, right? And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, not overwhelming, but just focus on the, the small things. And I mean, I think said said another way from a different perspective would be like, don't don't let the the hugeness of the thing that you're trying to change be the reason you don't change or at least try, right? Like take small steps and just like you're saying, enjoy the journey because the mm-hmm. process is why we do it. So you know, take it slow and steady and let the process do the work. You just open yourself up to the process and let it take shape. Yeah, that's such a good way of looking at it too, because, you know, I'm, I'm a notorious procrastinator um, at times. And it, it's such an important point that like you do, you look at your end goal and you're like, no, that's too much. I don't want to do it. But if you, you know, break it down into smaller, more achievable things, right? I think you're more, if you can kind of like unpack that giant goal, then I think you're a lot more likely, like you said, to get started. Yeah. I love it. Thank you so much. I, this has been an awesome episode. I think it's going to be one of those ones where you got to listen to it a couple times to take all the information in. Uh, so Kristen, where can the people find you online if they're looking for you or any of that stuff? Um, so as you mentioned, and as people probably got an idea of uh, hearing me talk about it, uh, Kristen <laughs> Talk Hormones is where to find me. Um, so that's on Instagram. And that's also my website. So I'm at kristentalkshormones.com. Um, and just because my name is spelled kind of weird, it's K-R-I-S-T-I-N. In case that, you know, makes it difficult to uh, to look me up. And then on Facebook, I also have a, a Facebook page. So it's, uh, you can probably honestly find it under Kristen Talks Hormones, but it's Kristen Lieber. So my last name is L-E-E-P as in Peter E-R. Also, thank you, Ty, so much for, for having me. I think the nutrition and mental health conversation is just, it, it's something that we need to be having more. And also just the conversations that you're having around mental health. Like, I just think what you're doing is awesome. Oh, well, thank you so much. I do appreciate that. And uh, I, like I said, thank you for, you know, bringing, bringing hormones to the table. Like that's, it's something that uh, I think gets overlooked and I, I do appreciate, uh, you know, just the positive vibes you're sending out and the things that you're doing. And yeah. I think that came through in the show today. So uh, we'll have to get you on again sometime. But until then, I hope you have a, a great quarantined life. And uh, I'll, I'll see you on the other side in a new world. <laughs> All right. Uh, wait. Uh, yeah, sorry. I'm still trying to find a way to end the shows. Um, okay. Yeah, go do some push-ups. Bye. Bye. <laughs>